king. They wanted a guy who's head and shoulders above everyone else. They found that guy, but he turns out to be quite dodgy and takes matters into his own hands. So, so God gives this wide-eyed prophet a message. Hey, go find the real king, the true king. So this wide-eyed prophet is off, looking, searching. Finally, he comes to this small little bush town, thinking maybe this is just a little rest area. But no, 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 this is actually where Israel's king is. So he finally arrives at a house where one guy named Jesse has eight sons. And, you know, when the first son comes walking out, greets him at the front door, not a fish handshake, as my grandpa used to say, you know, loose, you know. That's right, Mary, that's right. Not a fish handshake, a firm, look you in the eye, give you your first and last name sort of handshake. When Samuel sees this guy, he goes, this has got to be Israel's king. And Samuel, our wide-eyed prophet, only to his confusion, finds out, actually, no. This is not Israel's king. So, it's all right. There's other brothers, aren't there? So one by one, each brother comes before this wide-eyed prophet. And every one, God says, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, at this point, Samuel's getting a little bit frustrated. So he looks at Jesse and he goes, this it? You got any other sons here? And then Samuel goes, well, I mean, there's this one little whippersnapper out in the field. He's a little punk. He's, you know, and then at this point, you can almost hear him sort of leaning over to one of his sons and he goes, go fetch David. So here comes David. When Samuel sees him, God says, that's the king. Anoint him. The Lord does not look on the outward appearance, right? But the Lord looks at the what? The heart. The heart. Don't judge by his outward appearance because the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord sees and cares about the heart. We've seen this repeated, this theme, haven't we, throughout the Sermon on the Mount? I think that's been really clear. In chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus just laid out for us several examples of a greater righteousness. And today he's going to show how this righteousness, this righteousness needs to be worked out sort of fleshed out in our daily lives, practically speaking. So he gives three illustrations here of what a greater kind of righteousness looks like in our walk with God. In fact, Jesus makes a statement in chapter 6, verse 1. And I want you to picture this statement like a banner over the next 20 verses. You ready? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Picture that phrase like a neon sign, as it were, hanging over the next 20 verses. Because you see what Jesus is after? What is Jesus after here? In his kingdom, right deeds, right behavior, righteousness must 
be matched by right motives, especially when it comes to giving to the poor, to praying, and to fasting. Which are the three religious practices that he names? But hold on, hold on here. Beware of practicing your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. Yep, got that. Didn't Jesus just say in the same breath just a little bit earlier, let your light shine before others? So which one is it, Jesus? On the one hand, you're telling us, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and, right? Glory to your Father. And then Jesus says on the other breath almost, almost seems like a politician sort of speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Right? What's going on here? Which one is it? All right. Here's where we're headed this morning. I want us to look at the warning. Right? It starts off, beware. The warning. The wrong motive. The wrong motive. And the right motive. We'll see that Actions and intentions need to be married together. Right deeds and right motives is the key. So verse 1, the warning. Verse 2 and 3, the wrong motives. And finally, in verses 4, the right motives. That's where we're headed. Let's pray, though, as we, as we jump into this. Let's pray that our hearts would be in sync, that our, that our minds would be alert, and that we would be uh, different from what we hear today. Father, as your word is open this morning, speak, O Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to grasp its truth with our minds and appropriate it with our hearts. Lord, please apply these truths to tangible situations in our lives. Search us out, Lord. And show us where we need to trust you more in our giving and in our motives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very first word Jesus says here is beware. Did you see that there? Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware or pay attention. It's it's a kind of word that, that causes you to pause. If you walk up to a house and on the side of the fence and you have to enter someone's house that way or there's a granny flat and it says, beware of dog. You know, it might be a bluff. They may not even have a dog, right? But there might be a pit bull behind that fence for all you know, right? So you, so you want to stop. You want to you give this your attention. Jesus uses this same kind of attention-grabbing language here when he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. If Jesus, and notice what he says, why? What, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness before others. What's the, in order, in order to be seen by them. You see, that's the reason. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. If Jesus were a palm, if Jesus were a British bloke, who spoke with a golden spoon in his mouth and he studied at Cambridge or Oxford. Probably Oxford, then Cambridge. Just going to go with how it order it should be. Save the best for last. Just throwing that out there. I didn't study at either one of those universities. I wish I did. 
Not smart enough. Yeah, not rich enough, exactly. Either one. I have friends that studied at them, though. So he would probably say, Jesus might say something like this. Don't be a pious fraud. That's my palmy impersonation, right? Don't, don't, don't be a pious fraud, right? He'd, but to be clear here, though, because it's easy enough for us to say, yeah, yeah, there's a clear hypocrisy. You've got trumpets blowing and people making announcements and people showboating, all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but let's be clear here. Giving alms to the poor, prayer and fasting, were very common in Jesus' day. They are practices which God requires of his people. So Jesus isn't saying to do away with these practices. He assumes his followers will engage in praying and fasting and helping the poor. The issue here centers on the manner, the way in which his followers practice these things. He's concerned that their personal devotion will become polluted. It will be driven to please man rather than God. That's why he gives this warning. When you do good deeds, don't show off. Don't be a pious fraud, in other words. I, I don't want to belabor this here, but we see some of this happen in our society today. Um, think of the public relations firms, right, who position their clients with pictures of them being involved with you know, children in trouble or war zones or natural disasters. And, and of course, the media are all there when they hand over this massive check on a cardboard, you know, with the numbers so everyone can see how much they're giving. And, oh, where are the cameras? Oh, right, right there. Shake the hand. Look at all this money I'm giving. Um, or, or, you know, for example, another one is, is, naming, is the naming of rights of buildings. You get more money for a children's hospital if you're allowed to say that, look, this is actually the Woolworths wing in the children's hospital. This is the Coles wing. This is the Aldi wing. This is the McDonald's wing. Well, what are they telling us? What are they saying? They're saying, well, we, we've, we've given money. Which is not a bad thing, by the way, to give money to a children's hospital. By any stretch of the imagination, but yet... It's interesting how the name is plastered on it. The name, the company name is stamped on it, isn't it? Or, during a particular seasons of the year in Sydney, you can buy a charity badge, a badge. You can purchase a badge on, on the streets caring for people, right? You can, mind you, they're good, noble causes, but have you ever noticed that some of them have different badges depending on the amount that you spend? For instance, you can buy a badge that says, hey, $5, $20, and $50. And, you know, that's your sort of your former receipt. I get that. And yeah, 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 it stops anyone else from trying to sell you one because you've got the badge on, so leave me alone. But it also lets everyone know how generous you are, at least this year. Why not give the money, take the badge, and throw it in the bin? Well, why not buy two badges? One for five and one for 50. Put on the $5 and throw the 51 note in the bin. No, because you see, we, we like people to say, hey, you know, wow, that's really good of you. What a nice guy. Well, he's a lovely man, isn't he? He could have done a lot of things with that. He could have got another Eggs Benedict, but he didn't. 
No, instead, he, what is he's given his money away. Nothing wrong with an eggs Benedict, by the way, especially if you want to take me out for one sometime. I'm just throwing it out there. Or an Avo Smash. You see how subtle, though, we can blow the trumpet when we give to the needy. We appear to be giving to others, but in fact, we are giving to ourselves. We're getting in order to get. We appear to be giving to others, but in fact, we are gaining from the action itself. And Jesus says, beware of this. Be careful. He cautions against this desire to be noticed by others. Sort of crave the public recognition. So that's the warning. And now, the wrong motive in verse 2. The wrong motive. And it comes in two parts, really. Because verse 2, there's this idea that we're going to see there's the trumpet blowing. It's kind of comical, actually. There's trumpet blowing and all this stuff happening. And, and that's to get sort of the wrong motive because that we're, we're wanting the applause of, of, of others, right? But the wrong motive also can be not only for others' sake, but for our own sake. So there's sort of two parts to this. The other sake is what we're going to see in this next verse. But the, preceding, but, the, but the following verse talks about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So for our own sake. Okay. So he says, Beware of practicing, if you're following along here in your Bible, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Okay, so giving to the poor was common in Jewish social life. It's a good thing. In fact, Deuteronomy 15 says this, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. There was a well-organized system to alleviate the poor. They didn't have the dole back then. You guys don't call it the dole anymore, do you? They didn't have various governmental programs. And so, it was based upon people's contributions. So if you happen to give a large sum of money, if you happen to give a significant donation to charity, it would likely be announced in the synagogues. Whoa, well, I see Mr. Mr. Mrs. Mrs. So-and-so gave this massive, you know, donation. And you'd hear your name announced. And you begin to think, yeah, this feels kind of good, actually. I kind of like this. I help the people. I, hey, look, I probably encouraged the tight wads in this synagogue anyways that should have been given money, and so I'm kind of the trailblazer. I'm the giving trailblazer. That's who I am. You know what? I should take it, be honest. I'm going to take it to the streets, baby. And so there you are, left, right, and center. And the people that are getting the help, of course, are super encouraged. And the whole thing just becomes one massive charade. 
because you've become so engulfed in the praise of others. You see, Jesus isn't saying these people are hypocrites because they simply talked about giving. You know, rattled on about it, but never actually coughed up the cash. No, no, these people, in fact, did give money, perhaps loads of it. That's not the problem. The problem is they gave money and because, right, they gave money, not because they really cared, but because they wanted to be seen as those who cared. Not because they were generous, but they wanted to be known as being generous. And check out the label. Notice the label that Jesus gives them. In fact, we're going to read it in Greek. I know you're like, I don't read Greek. Just trust me. We're going to read this in Greek. Check this out here on the PowerPoint. So my Greek teacher would absolutely kill me right now if he knew I did this. This is like the biggest no-no in my Bible college. They'd probably give a lecture about this. Don't ever do this. So that means just as, hosper, that first part. Okay, this next part is just an article that's hoi. Right? That's the. But I, here's the reason I'm showing you all this. Not because you're like, oh, cool, he knows Greek. Who cares? Right? Sound this word out to me, for, with me. Ready? Hupakritai. What does that sound like to you? Hypocritical. That's right. Hypocrite. A hypocrite, right? This has the idea of an actor in a play. Right? In, in Greco-Roman times... They didn't have cinemas. They didn't have, you know, you didn't get to go to, uh, is it Hoyts? They didn't have cinemas and, and various places where you can go watch the movies. And so you would watch plays at the local theater, which you can still do that today, but that was what, what you would do. You'd go watch these plays, okay? You would see an actor or an actress, all right? Here we go. So, now, to say hypocrite... Was a, ver- was a way to describe someone who played a role, right? The phantom of the opera is there inside your mind. Okay? A couple of ladies always say, if you never were a pastor, you should go across the street. You've missed your calling, so maybe. Okay? Which means I'm a fake. I'm a hypocrite. I get it. So... This was a way to describe, I can't keep this thing on, this was a way to describe someone who played a role, right? Who, who recited lines and pretended to be someone they weren't. It's a, it's a double face, it's a two face. So why then does Jesus label these guys? With, he labels them as this double face, this, these play actors, right? Why would he do that? Because it... Can I ask, do you think, is Jesus doing that because they're like saying one thing and doing another? Not necessarily. These guys obeyed the law, the Old Testament law, to a T. They gave money to the needy, prayed, and fasted on a regular basis. Many of them fasted two times a week. How many times do you fast? Once a year, maybe, Two times a week, these guys fasted and offered long prayers in public. But when they did this, their hearts were wrong. Their true inner affections were split. 
can I ask, friend, how is your giving? How is your praying? Have you considered that? How is your giving? Are, are you generous? Are you cheerful? Are you sacrificial? Are you giving because you really want God to be glorified? Or is it for some other reason? Jesus tells us that if we are driven to look good, to be admired by others, we get our reward right then and there. We basically pay for the accolade. That's all we get. Or, oh, what a lovely man. What a lo- well, isn't she great? We've made the payment, as it were. We've been handed the docket, and that is all. Paid in full, nothing more to come. And that's precisely the problem with the Pharisees. They loved men's praise more than God's. They had a theatrical religion. Jesus says in John 12, 43, they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know, it's all too easy to fall into this though, isn't it? It's all too easy. Be it our giving, be it our serving. Oh, well, you know, I'm a behind-the-scenes person. Just as long as you know that I'm the behind-the-scenes person. I mean, someone's got to clean up, right? Someone's got to put these chairs away. Someone's got to serve the coffee. So oh, that's me. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm behind. Just, you know, I'm, I'm not up front. I'm not the loudmouth American guy like Rob that's dancing up there and singing. I'm just more, you know, I'm just, I'm the, I'm the behind-the-scenes person. But just, just as long as you know that I'm the behind-the-scenes person. Hey, God knows, you know. It's so easy to fall into that, isn't it? It's so easy to, to have our hearts split. And just for the record here, I want to think about this. Jesus isn't chucking out the idea of religious behavior that is, is noticeable, that can be seen as if somehow the only secret anonymous stuff is what really counts, right? If you help out a homeless person, you better be wearing a ski mask lest you be recognized and you lose your reward. I mean, how ridiculous. Remember, he's warning us against behavior that's done with a wrong motive. This is a heart check. It's, it's about internal intentions, not just about external actions. So, It'd be wrong to chuck this notion out that, you know, we should have no public righteousness. Maybe some of you read it that way. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's why no one knows I'm a Christian because it says don't, you know, practice your righteousness. So I just act like the world and talk like the world and smell like the world. Really? Also, it might, some might conclude, you ever meet people like this? If there's a problem... They just throw their hands in the air. Well, just forget it. I quit. I quit then. I quit. Why don't I quit? You know, you meet people like that. If that's what it is, I quit. Well, maybe we just look at the idea of giving. Giving to the needy. I quit. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we should just stop giving to the needy then. Well, clearly that would be irresponsible, unbiblical, and it would swing the pendulum way too far to one side. I mean, Jesus assumes his followers will 
to the poor, right? And pray and fast. He says, and when you give, you see that in the, in the Bible in front of you, sitting on your lap or on your phone? When you give, when you pray, when you fast, not if. When you do these things, the issue is of whether or not, it's not whether or not the disciples should be giving to the poor. That's not really on the table for discussion here. The assumption is that all religious people, hypocritical or not, are performing this act. The bottom line difference is where their hearts are. So is it for the sake of others? Or could it even be for their own sake? Look at verse 3 now. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. See, the Lord is concerned that his followers not only do what is right, but that they do it for the right reason. Jesus says, when you're, I know you're going to give. In fact, I'd expect you to give. So when you do it, look, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What is this about? You would be amazed how many people just, yeah, there are so many bizarre interpretations from this verse. Put it that way. It starts to be a sermon alone. The image here is someone going past the offering plate as they enter the synagogue, right? And, and the right hand, if they're right-handed, discreetly drops the offering, plate in, offering in the plate, while the left hand isn't able to see what's happening. That's, it's just, it's exaggerated speech. You can't, you know, it's not like when the offering plate comes by here, it's, you know, it's just how weird. You're one body. You know what your own hands are doing. We can't read this literalistically. It's like I said, it'd be like, if, you know, if we're going to help someone like a street beggar, oh, you better have a ski mask on. It's like, I see, you know, it's Rob Wright. I'm going to announce this at church and you're going to lose your reward now. You know, it's like, oh man, shucks. I should have had a mask on like Mission Impossible so I look like Ross and, you know, or whatever. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's crazy talk, right? So, but it's an impossible illustration here. So what, what does it mean then? Well, he's driving home the point that when you give, you are not to make record of what you're doing. Right? Don't give to make yourself feel good. How often do we find ourselves looking for a pat on the back? Right? We sort of keep a mental diary which says, hey, good deed done today, and guess what? No one saw it. Double reward. Boom. <laughs> Didn't let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. And, and why are we giving? We're giving for ourselves. Our left hand knows what our right hand is doing. It, it can happen if you see a street beggar. If you see a street beggar, often when we give to them, it's usually to get the person away from us. Or it's because we feel guilty. You know, and, and, and giving money might help that person. I remember a, a pastor I worked with in Hawaii, a, a street beggar came to the church, knocked on the door. You know, hey, can you give me, give me some cash? And, 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 and the pastor said, I was really encouraged by this. He was this really sharp guy, short glasses, and he goes, come in, sit down. And he talked just like that, and he goes, anyway, it doesn't matter how he talked, but he goes, if you need help, I would be happy to buy you lunch right now. And we need to call some of your family members. Who do you know? 
And the guy's like, what, what? And he's like, well, you've gotten in this really horrible circumstance. Certainly there's ways I can help you get on your feet. I can start calling people to find you a job. I can da, 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 da. And he said, oh, man, I just want cash for booze, you know? And that, that's all he wanted. But, but I thought, well, here's, here's this guy, Pastor Jerry was his name. Here's a guy that's actually saying, no, I'm actually willing to go, not just to say, okay, fine, well, here you go. Here, you know, here's, but say, I'm actually going to help you get from A to Z on this. Like, right? Like, there's got to be someone in your life. Maybe you've burnt bridges on all these other areas, but what about this? And how can I help you? Let's, let's find you a job. Let's find you a house. Let's find you... Well, he didn't want those things. Right? But, but the intention I could see as I watched is I thought, well, in a way, that's sort of like letting your left hand know what your right hand... He's not, he's not... He's actually willing to do this and not for his own sake to kind of say, okay, fine, here you go. You know, God bless you. Sort of, you tie it off with a bow on that and it's, the Lord's really doubly happy for it. God bless. Oh, thanks. When we give, there should really, ultimately, friends, be an audience of one, God himself. I heard a story recently of a missionary woman who was at Bible college and was given the job of cleaning out the loos. Not a fun job. She was doing it one morning, and she got them clean, and then a whole horde of people came in, and she cleaned them again. And then another mass of people came in with muddy footprints, and she cleaned them again. And finally, another set of people came in, and she just went berserk. She lost it. And one of them said to her, what are you so worried about? She said, I have to clean them a third time, and no one will believe I cleaned them. To which the person took her aside and said, don't you trust that God knows? You see, she wasn't cleaning them repeatedly so they would be clean. She was cleaning them again so that people would know that she'd done the job. Don't you believe in a father who sees what's done in secret? He's not blind. He's not uncaring. And that leads us to verse 4. We've seen the warning, we've seen the wrong motives, and now the right motive in verse 4. Right? So that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. God sees. Nothing is hidden from Him. When we give, and when we actually give, not just, you know, a couple loose gold coins that we, you know, we're going to throw away anyways, but when we actually give towards a sacrifice, and it's a real step of faith where we're going, I don't even know if I have the money to really be giving this, but I'm going to do it, and I'm really going to trust you here, Lord. I'm not saying, you know, go sell it, go get rid of your house, okay? Let's be reasonable, you know, use your logic in that. But I'm saying, look, I'm actually going to give a little above my means here because I want to do this because I feel like this is what God has called me to do. The Lord doesn't miss it. He's not blind. He sees it. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You stretch out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. 
You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. The Father sees everything, friends. Nothing is hidden from him. So Jesus says to let your light shine before others. But remember what Jesus said, so that they may give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. So this has the idea of being afraid to show the world who we really are, right? Don't take your light and hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. Jesus says here, beware of practicing your righteousness. This is trying to get people to think we are more than we really are. So on the one hand, it's saying, look, don't be afraid to show the world who we really are. But now Jesus is saying, look, don't try to get people to think you are more than you really are. Does that make sense? It's about the motive. One of my professors at Bible College, Jonathan Pennington, I really like how he captures this. He says this. While it is possible that some religious people literally blew trumpets before giving to the poor, this seems like not the most common practice and misses the point of Jesus' teaching. Trumpet blowing and in secret are evocative poetic, memorable images meant to communicate the heart matter of motive. I like that. Right deeds must be matched by right motives. Because our Father sees nothing is hidden from Him. You'll notice in the Sermon on the Mount, there's a vocabulary pattern here. A vocabulary pattern that grabs our attention. It says, our Father. You see that there? Your Father. Our Father. It's actually repeated 17 different times in the Sermon on the Mount, 10 of which, you know, Reynard just read for us earlier about giving to the poor, praying, fasting. 10 of those 17 occurrences are right just in those 21 little verses right there. Father, 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 Father. This is key because next week we'll see Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. And we shall see that what he says, when you pray, pray then like this. Our Father who is in heaven, right? As Christians, we worship the God who is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here we have the Son instructing us concerning the glory and the will of the Father. So Jesus says to his disciples, don't forget that when you give, you are giving at the instruction of your heavenly Father. He loves you and cares for you. He knows your wants and needs more than you do. And so you give in light of the fact that the one who commands you to give and one who takes account is your heavenly Father. We all are like, at the end of the day, when it comes to righteousness, as Martin Luther said, we are but beggars. We're the poor. We're the destitute. We have nothing to give to God at the end of the day. But we are the ones who receive. And if you're here today, and you're not a Christian, 
you need to come to the place where you understand your poverty. You have nothing to give to God. No good work, no charitable donation that you've given can ever satisfy the wrath of God. You cannot stand on your two feet before the Lord and say, wow, Lord, didn't you see, you know, I, I, I gave that significant money. Yeah, it's true, you did. But do you know the Lord? You know what's interesting about this idea of hypocrite? It's not so much that I know behind the mask who I really am, insidious, ha, 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 and I'm trying to deceive you. The hypocrite, it's used again and again and again. When you, when you give to the needy, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites, right? But it's the idea of the hypocrite there is someone who's self-deceived. Right? Don't judge. Or you too will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? It's a blind eye doctor. Do you understand? The person is self-deceived. And then... The end of the Sermon on the Mount, what do we have? Chapter 7, verse 21. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? These are people that are like, they're expecting applause. They got the applause on earth. They're expecting applause when they get up to heaven. And Jesus simply says to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. You or your hypocrites. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Friend, that will be you unless you understand how poor and broken you are before a holy God. And that Jesus, who was rich, became low so that we could become rich in his grace. So that when God looks upon us, he won't look upon someone that's trying to stand on their own two feet, but someone who, as it were, stands behind his very son and says, Jesus lived the life I should have lived. Jesus died the death I should have died. And because of his grace, now I'm, I'm rich in this righteousness because of Jesus. I'm clothed with this righteousness. But until you get to that place where you're saying, hey, I understand that I'm poor. I get that. I'm not talking financially. I'm talking spiritually. You are bankrupt spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus starts off the Beatitudes. Until you get to that place where you're broken and you understand what an offense your sin is before God. You're not in the kingdom. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for 15 years and you like the people here. You're not a Christian. Do you understand? You need to get right with God to be born again. Turn to Jesus this morning, friend, how often the sun shining, people in Australia are lovely and nice most of the time. And we go out here and we go, oh, hey, this is great. Have a coffee, have a lovely day. And you think you're just perpetually going to live this way and the sun's just going to keep shining. One day you're going to breathe your last and it could be sooner than you think. And if you know not God, if you haven't come to the place where you understand that you're poor and wretched and blind and pitiful, and coming for a holy God and saying, I'm throwing myself on the mercy of Jesus and Jesus alone, you will be judged on the last day. We have to come to a place where we're poor, but we, we, we can come to that place 
in good faith because there's a benevolent father who sent his own son to pay the penalty for our sin. So turn to him now. Don't wait. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word. Thank you that it cuts like a knife. It's challenging, and yet it gives hope. Lord, we do pray that we would honor you not just with our lips and not just with our outward actions, but our hearts would be a, a, having a single-minded orientation, Lord, of wanting to worship you and to have a wholeness. We pray that we would do so in our giving and our praying and our fasting and in all the other areas, Lord, that, that we're to walk with you and, and in our devotion to you. Lord, we do pray if there's some that maybe just for a moment, even just a minute ago, they were thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I've crossed that line yet. I'm not sure if I know God in a saving way yet. Lord, would you help them right now in their hearts to close with Jesus? Regenerate them. Save them, Lord. Grant them repentance. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that have...